Hey, this is Andy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. For our education episode this week, we are bringing on an MVP. And who is that? MVP Nicolette! (laughs) Yes, this is MVP Nicolette. And finally, we finally got her on for an interview. We've had her share some stories. She's been one of our first fans. Big fans. Um, And also, she's very near and dear to our hearts because she and I went through the same undergrad and grad program. Yes, you guys are part of the same class. We are. Basically family. We did some of our observation hours together. We did our undergrad together. We did our grad program together. Now where she works is in the same district of somewhere where I teach. Oh, yeah. So that's right. we, Nicolette, we're excited to have Nicolette. Yes, big time. So to introduce Nicolette, she did both her undergrad and grad programs at Chapman University. She did her Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology with an athletic training emphasis, as well as a master's in athletic training. Directly out of school, she worked for LA Galaxy for two years for the first and second team. And then she also worked per diem or hourly in... Cypress College, El Camino College, USA Soccer, and Chapman University. She actually just started a full-time head athletic trainer position at Cypress College last year nice. in the fall of 2021, and now she's still there, the head of the staff there. MVP! She is our MVP. So without further ado, here is Nicolette. All right, we got started off with some cryobreakers. Nicolette, what made you become an athletic trainer? Um, okay. So one, I never had an athletic trainer in high school. So I think going into college, I was like, what the heck is this? My sister who is not involved in healthcare at all. Um, basically was like, have you heard of this? This is really cool. I think you'd be into it because I played soccer growing up. Um, never got hurt. Haha. Um, but, uh, in club soccer, I like played at, Chapman and weirdly enough tore the labrum in my shoulder and like I was like going up for a header and like fell weirdly and what I think now happened is I sell books my shoulder but um back then I was like I don't know I just like can't lift my arm at all the next day (laughs) and I was doing observation with the athletic trainers there so they basically kind of helped figure out like what's going on and kind of was like you should go get it checked out and then I did and I was like this is really cool I want to stay in this so that's kind of how I got into athletic training (laughs) okay so I had no clue we you and I got into athletic training at the same time yeah kind of the same way (laughs) wait what happened because I didn't have an athletic trainer in at in high school either yeah and so when I got to Chapman yeah I started working with Pam Uh And then I was like, what is this magical career? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's how most people do it. They're like, let me just like do a couple hours and let Mm -hmm. me see what's going on. And then you immediately are like, oh my God, this is gold. (laughs) Like, this is it. Yeah. Where has this been? Yeah. I don't have to sit behind a desk for five hours. Yeah, please. (laughs) I mean, I didn't tear my shoulder labrum, but I did tear my hip labrum. So I remember in school, we were like the demos (laughs) about this. (laughs) I I made healing lace pads my first day of volunteering, and that's when I fell in love with athletic training. So that's how you know you you love it. That's how you know. So Nicolette, what is your athletic training spirit animal? And this is a modality, rehab tool, tape, brace, etc. Any tool of the trade that represents you as a clinician. Okay, I had such difficulty with this one, but um, (laughs) mine is not even like rehab or modality or anything like that, but. I did vacuum splints. I love vacuum splints. Um, Like I do EAP training with all my students basically like twice a week. So I just, I always go to like our bag of splints and it's so moldable and fun and helpful in such stressful situations. And I feel like that's what athletic training is about. So um, I chose vacuum splints. (laughs) Oh, That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. I like it. You know what? I wouldn't have put vacuum splints and fun in probably the same sentence (laughs) until you said it was your spirit animal and I was like oh Nicolette that makes sense yeah I mean like I feel like 
it's fun as a clinician watching it, but not when you like actually have to do it. Then you're like, ooh, okay. Mm. <laughs> oh, problem. Yeah. Here Wait, how do I squint a, an elbow? Hold on. Yeah. <laughs> <That's insane. laughs> like a like Sudoku, Sudoku, or something like that, where you're like, ooh, how does this work? <laughs> right. Right. That's true. You can get you sometimes have to get really creative the way you mm-hmm. splint somebody because yeah. it's not like in the most perfect positions yeah that they have to be splinted never have the textbook in real life (laughs) no 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 all right so with at corner we always like to pair uh, evidence and experience so uh, let's kick it off with a story experience maybe a case study about what motivated you to create your joint reduction policy at your institution Okay, so mine is kind of before I even started school with athletic training. Um, I was interning at this like healthcare provider, and they had different staff games that were going on there. So one month it would be like staff soccer, the next month it would be like staff volleyball, um, and they just had athletic trainers and PTs on site. And so during one of the staff soccer games, the this employee. It's like going to block a shot. He was playing goalie and basically dislocated his shoulder. And so my boss and I were called to the field, which looking back on it was like, it felt like it was fast, but it, it, we probably got to the field in like 15 minutes after it happened because like mm. he was just sitting there in agony. And then they're like, what should we do? Hmm. Should we call 911? What do we do? And so they were like contemplating it. And then, Basically, they're like, oh, we have athletic trainers, so call them out to the field. But so, like, we weren't there. We didn't watch it. But when we got out there, it was basically, like, an anterior slash inferior dislocation. It, like, wasn't quite clear. But the um, athletic trainer that I was basically observing was trying to reduce it, and it just, like, wasn't going back in place. And, again, this is 15 minutes after. So he's in full spasm at this point. Mm -hmm. And – I, I'm not even like in school for this yet. So I was like, I don't even know what this is. Um, and so he's like, oh, you know what? Let's just take you back to the clinic. We'll try it there. And athletic training mind, I'm like, this is a bad idea now. But again, then I was just like, okay. So I'm like sitting on the car and he's just like in so much pain. Um, the kid just is like, I don't want to go to the emergency room. I don't want to go to the emergency room. And so he's like, okay. Basically, we get back to the clinic. The clinician tries to do it, like, probably, like, three more times. It is not going back. It's just in full spasm. And then, eventually, he basically put his, like, foot. He's, like, grabbing the hand. Put his, like, palm or his, like, base of his foot on this kid's ribs. Is like, pulling distraction, getting it into there. And I'm (laughs) thinking about it. I was, like this seems like a law. Is this what athletic trainers do? Like, this is not (laughs) like the right scenario. (laughs) And it eventually did go back. But I was just like, "Mm, I wonder what else he tore looking back at it. And I was just like, I do not want to do this situation. So eventually when I got through school, figured out what was happening, I was like, this needs to be a policy. And Mm -hmm. what started from like such a horrific experience or possibly like a learning experience for me of maybe not doing it this way. So I was just like motivated to do this protocol. And then I saw like this NATA presentation about it and I was like, all right, I'm committing. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Matt, yeah. It's like the NATA read your mind. I know. At this point I was like, whoa, it, they knew. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, to start that policy, how did you work with your team physician to uh, get the ball rolling? Yeah, so our team position, um, I started with is, I guess our relationship is about like two years old, <laughs> our like friendship slash work relationship. Um, so I created the protocol prior to even working with the team positions that I work with now. And so based off the information, I used the NATA position statement on like immediate joint reductions and mm-hmm. this presentation that I watched from NATA. And they seem to have a presentation on joint reductions and joint dislocations every year. But the one that I watched was called Immediate Care and Management and Joint Dislocations by Scott Doberstein and Scott Kuzma. And it was just like really, really 
great in regards to information you want to put in a protocol and information that you like want to, I guess, stay away from legality wise. But um, when I was creating this, it basically has a section where you like sign off with the physician. So at that point, I kind of like bridged the gap of like, hey, could we um, go over this kind of like policy? Like, this is something that I really think is important in regards to like the institution that I work at. And like legal wise, I think that every institution should have it if this is something that you're even going to be doing, even if it's like finger, like I think Mm -hmm. you got to get it in writing. But our team physicians were awesome. They are also like, or I guess were a couple years ago and up to now, the team physicians that worked at like X Games and stuff. So they'd see like hugely joint, uh, huge joint dislocations for, I guess, non-traditional settings. Um, So they were awesome about it. They were like, let's set up a workshop. I'm down. And they passed it to their legal team. Um, And then we passed it to our risk management team. Uh, So Overall, they were just great with this joint reduction policy and helping create it, create like some kind of policy within our institution and within their uh, physician setting as well. So they used kind of some of our materials and we used some of theirs that they had. Uh, But again, it just like came up in a random conversation. We're like, hey, would you be comfortable with us reducing some joints? And they're like, yeah, let's talk about that one. Let's dive into that one. <laughs> so um, just bridge the gap of just say, hey, like, is this something you'd be comfortable with? Because if it's no, then that's okay. But if it is, then I think it's in your best effort to make this kind of protocol. Right. It's nice that you have team physicians who are so on board mm-hmm. because each physician who you work under is obviously going to be a little bit different. Yeah. I've worked under team physicians who have been okay with trying once. Yeah. And I've been okay with team physicians who have been like, yeah, go for it, whatever it is. Yeah. And I've also worked under team physicians who say, no way, you are not reducing yeah. a joint. Yeah. I also think it depends on like the setting that you're at. When you're working mm-hmm. with minors, I think that also is a huge risk um, because mm-hmm. you get like multiple consents. But when you work in professional setting or when you work in like community college, I think it really just depends on like your relationship with the team physician or if you even have the physician at the game. I think that is helpful too. They're probably like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want you to do it because I'll just do it. So I think it mm-hmm. like goes hand in hand of like what, what setting you're at and what they're comfortable with. Right. Absolutely. And then another consideration with like those minors are the growth plates. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. that, that could play a role if, if there might be a, a fracture in there. Yeah. Yep. That's huge. I, I like, I put that in my policy of like, don't do it. <laughs> so speaking of that policy, when you put it together, um, what are some key elements to keep in mind? Like growth play, like different parts of your policy. What, what did you keep in mind when creating that? Yeah. So there's a lot of different things. Um, if you're just going like, kind of like start to finish, um, follow the position statement. That's like the key task in the doing this is you want to also be aligned in what athletic trainers are doing nationwide let's say this does go into some kind of lawsuit or this does go into like some kind of legal considerations you want to make sure that the position statement's also backing you up but also your team physician could give you directions on like yeah just reduce this joint like I'm comfortable with that that you may not be in the position statement so I think Working with your team physician and the position statement together will ultimately get you the best policy. But if the team physician's like, no, I don't feel comfortable with you reducing anything, I think it's still beneficial to make the policy just at that point where it says like, okay, I'm comfortable with you reducing this, this, this joint. Maybe it says none, but you still have the policy saying Mm -hmm. like, oh, we were taught how to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. So get it in writing. That's another one. Um, always have your athletic trainers and team physician write, like, I'm comfortable reducing this or not comfortable reducing this. Um, whatever it is, have your, like, whole, whether it's a conversation, whether it's a workshop, whether it's this, that, and the other, get it in writing. Um, and when you do have some kind of policy statement, um, especially something like a joint reduction, you have to also keep in mind that it's not always healthcare providers reading it. So you have to be really clear and the terminology that you use has to be easy to understand. 
so that a non-healthcare provider can actually take a look at it and understand the material. So when we send it to our risk management team, they're like, what, what are we dealing with here? <laughs> um, so I think uh, like having like a definition section, which we went into of like mm. subluxation, what is a dislocation? What's a volar dislocation and different kind of like terminology like that will also help them understand. So they're not like reading it just very confused, um, especially mm-hmm. if you have like administrative I guess like insurance people or administrative people that may not even be related to healthcare. I think it's really beneficial. That's uh, true. That, that gets forgotten about too, yeah. is, you know, a lot of our policies, you know, have to get approved by people who are not in the medical field or understand yeah. healthcare terms. So. Yeah. I always talk to my athletic director and I'll be like, Oh, we need this certain modality. And he's like, what is a modality? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's back up. <laughs> yeah, we got, we'll go down to the basics. Yeah. We'll, we'll break this down. I was like, a machine. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also like looking at Katie standards and going into like entry-level athletic trainers, they're learning to reduce joints. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. having an athletic trainer who's 10, 20 years in and – an athletic trainer who may not even be graduated or graduating their program. You also have to look at like what's up and coming in athletic training. So in my policy mm-hmm. statement, I say like the standard 70 of the KD standards, which basically states that athletic trainers are qualified to evaluate and manage patients with acute conditions, including triaging conditions of life-threatening or otherwise emergent situations. So that also includes, and it says it in that policy of, fractures, dislocation, including reduction of dislocations. So mm-hmm. in, as athletic trainers, you're allowed to reduce. It's just whether or not your physician, who you work under, will allow you to do it. Uh, right. So again, all conversation, communication. <laughs> um, I'm big on pros and cons too. So pro of reducing or con of reducing so i put like a little like chart of like advantages and disadvantages of reducing because there might be situations where you're you how do i say this i guess at a previous site that i was at the team physician was very much pro reducing it on the spot he's like you'll have a fracture with this reduce it anyways and i was like oh i don't know if that's the best situation here (laughs) so always put like an advantages and circumstances of when you should reduce or when you could and then the disadvantages of like there's a fracture here don't reduce um or there's a deformity or they're already in spasm, like they need sedation in order to reduce. Um, So I think Mm -hmm. having that like clear cut outline of like, I don't think that athletic training is you have it here and you don't have it here. It's very like, it depends. (laughs) Um, The gray area. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Of maybe you'll have these and maybe you'll have this, but I think it would be most beneficial in this situation. Like you could be a school or maybe even just like a remote league that's like 45 minutes away from the nearest healthcare facility or three hours away from the nearest healthcare facility. So there might be a situation or spot where you're going to have to reduce, even if it's not, exactly clear cut of what you should be doing Mm -hmm. 100% and then legal concerns this is huge uh in your policy you want to make sure that you address some kind of the legal concerns like I sent mine to the risk management um at my institution and our team physician sent it to like his insurance and risk management there but you also have to take into account um like licensure and registration um so some of those restrict reducing joints in different states. So you have to take a look at like what state you're in and address mm-hmm. it there. But um, some like state statutes and associated rules and regu- regulations restrict on-site reductions. So you might actually just only be referring depending on like what state or environment you're in. Hmm. Um, and then also like the setting that you're in. So um, employer documentation. So is it in your contract or job description and employment um, expectations, pr- procedure manual or policy statement? So in my contract specifically, it doesn't say anywhere where I can't. And then it says like emergency scenarios that like 
under certain conditions, blah, blah, blah. So I think like you have to take a look at your own status of like where you're mm. planning to reduce or what your contract says and work from there. Because I think if it doesn't say it, that's kind of like gray area, like you're good to go. Yeah. Um, or it might say like, may be expected to respond to emergency scenarios, which this would be. Um, so take a look at that and then always have like a written standing order between your supervising physician indicating when you can reduce, um, which joint dislocation you can attempt to reduce, and then the technique that's going to be used. And then when you're going into the different techniques, my, my policy for joint reductions is like 20 pages long, but um, <laughs> I basically go into like the different techniques and like skills um, basically of like each joint, what the joint is, anatomy and all that. But you also have to like consider like the parental consent that we were talking about. So if you're dealing with minors, if you're at a high school, it's not just one person. Um, maybe this might be a good thing for you guys to bust out in your pre-participation exams of, hey, we might have this. Like, would you be comfortable as a parent? So like that will help you. Um, but also like patient consent. There could be a student athlete or just a patient in general that is like, don't touch me get away from me. Like just call emergency services. So like that might be your case or you'll have a student athlete, which I've had like in the past, just be like, Oh, just pop it back in. It's fine. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> so getting consent is like key. I think it's a good thing. You don't necessarily have to have it like in writing right off the bat or like if they're joints out, you're not gonna be like, Hey, hold on. Can you sign this? But like getting that like verbal consent and having someone around mm -hmm. to like see that um, is really beneficial. And then just having that specific criteria for which joint you can reduce as a physician. So like uh, with elbow joint, you could do this or with a shoulder joint, you could do this. No, nope, can't do an ankle. Like having that like specifically clear cut mm -hmm. in your policy. Um, and then just making sure that your team physician is like limiting delegation. So if you're having a staff of maybe like three full-time athletic trainers, but then you have hourly athletic trainers that didn't do the workshop, they shouldn't be doing the joint reductions, at least under the physician's mm -hmm. uh, insurance or name. Yeah. But having like the right education and training experience, I think confidence and competency is key as well. So if you're not confident in doing a specific joint, if you're not confident in working with this like specific patient in this scenario, like I think you just do the bare minimum of splinting it and sending it off. Um, I think that's a good thing to have in your um, like policy as well. Cause I don't think that a lot of people think about that, especially in the scenario of just like, I was taught this, but I'm not exactly confident in doing it. It's okay. Yeah. To, like not be there. Right. Yeah. That's actually a really good point because if I know that some of us have been like taught, like, let's say, Oh, I, like I've kind of seen a shoulder reduction before, but I've never done one. You know, yeah. there are some people who are like that, or there are some well, people who have yeah. just have learned by doing. Yeah. And so I feel like that's a really good point too. If you're not confident, then yeah. it's a, it might be a little bit different on if you should or shouldn't. Well, like yeah. Nicolette said, like how the Katie standards are now too, where it's, it's actively put into the curriculum now yeah well shoot i even just me when you know in the program like we talked about it but no one ever like i don't know it kind of was up to whatever professor was teaching it yeah. and then like the preceptors would kind of tell you it, it was very informal yeah right i i learned from my preceptors yeah yeah I, I mean like even going through like clinical rotations in school like they didn't have like a formal class for like this is how you reduce but like if you saw it you saw it at your rotation there wasn't like a Okay, we're right. gonna do this workshop on how to reduce, and yep. if this happens, this is what you're gonna do. I think like that would be beneficial as a preceptor if you are gonna do something like this. Like have your students involved in these things because they don't mm -hmm. see it or learn it, or they may be learning mm -hmm. it now, but we clearly didn't learn it in school. Of just like right. every single joint, this is how you would reduce it. Yep. So go ahead. As we've seen, one key element here towards this policy is the actual education piece yeah so what did that education kind of programming look like with your team physician yeah so our team physicians are great as soon as we brought it up they were basically like 
oh, I already have a presentation. Let me do a workshop. What day do you want to do? And so they're awesome about like getting involved, especially with our students who like don't have the formal education behind it. They're like, get everyone here get your hourlies, get your students. Um, everyone needs to be involved, especially if this is something going forward, get your students that you have in the spring. Um, so they've been great. So they did uh, almost like a presentation slash workshop, like what you would see in NATA. Um, but basically nice. they went over like the anatomy of each joint and the, like whether or not you should reduce this joint or you shouldn't reduce this certain joint. And then the prevalence of like the dislocation. So if you have an anterior shoulder dislocation versus posterior or inferior um, and like did that throughout each joint and what might be most common. And they did like videos of like, this is how it looks, or this is the most common. Um, and then the different techniques of what to reduce. So going through the different dislocations, whether it's a volar, dorsal or lateral dislocation, and like maybe they're prone, maybe they're supine, like you're going to see them in all sorts of situations. So they went through like different techniques on reduction in, different scenarios and then they would have us actually practice it so they would like show us through like a guided tutorial basically on one of our students and then they would also like watch us do the reduction technique and be like no adjust your hand put more pressure or do this and that but what we want to order for next year is they have these little um like reduction dummies um i saw them at nata but i don't know like i haven't found them since but they're like basically like a shoulder reduction and then you get to like actually practice reducing them. So they were like, Oh, we should order this and then do it for next year's seminar. And so basically I think going forward, it's definitely a conversation to have with your team position of, Hey, can we order these or can you order these for your program <laughs> and then give it to us? Uh, but then the team position also like went through like complications that can occur of onsite reductions. Mm -hmm. They like, if this happens, do not reduce. Or, you know, sometimes you do a reduction and then they're still having some kind of like neurological or vascular symptoms. So definitely go over that with your team physician. And if they don't tell you, ask about it because they've said some things that maybe like we didn't even think about. Um, and then indications for like contraindications and indications for an onsite reduction. So the type of like education, they like put it out there and like, this is what we've seen personally. And so through each joint, they like went through and basically disclosed like all the different information and then let us practice and then signed us off. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. So thanks to Nicolette, I got to go to this. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I'm super jealous. <laughs> um, and I got to say one of my favorite parts was just the different perspective I think of hearing from a team physician versus mm -hmm. like my preceptors or learning yeah. it in a course yeah. because the, t the thing that her team physicians really did is they went over how to check before, like mm -hmm. what to check before you reduce. Yeah. And then also if you should reduce depending on what is um, happening. So like, for example, in a shoulder, I, would know to check neurological like by asking, but I ne I wouldn't necessarily know which specific mm -hmm. spots to check by like dermatome, myotome, um, other than going through like the full assessment. Yeah. But she was talking about like the specific ones that you might see. Mm -hmm. And that was really interesting. And she was saying that, you know, she showed which way the nerve runs in front of the shoulder and how when you reduce it, it actually might help because it takes that tension off the nerve. And so certain things like that, that just like a totally different perspective. So it's, it was so valuable to go through an education piece like that um, for specifically for dislocations through from a physician's perspective. Yeah. And it's, I think especially with our team physicians and most team physicians that work in such like weird settings, like having the X games and having like a unique background where they have to work a football game every Friday night or they have to do this mm -hmm. that and the other they've seen a lot more and reduced a lot more than I think that we just see in a normal day or every day um so I think getting our perspective is very beneficial and they were also talking about what the difference is in in like active real life versus in the ER or yeah. under sedation yeah and they're talking about kind of those differences too oh that is interesting yeah because it is, it is true. It's very different mm -hmm. what what get, walks into the ER and then yeah. obviously having the benefit of 
being able to put someone through sedation to get right get a joint back in right yeah it's cool like hearing their perspective of like seeing behind the scenes of okay we tried it this way literally couldn't get it sent them to the er couldn't get it at the er even after sedation would have to make them go unconscious to even get them into the right position so (laughs) it's just interesting (laughs) dude that's nuts that's crazy that's really dope (laughs) oh yeah i also put that in our policy about getting that thorough history of making sure you want to go over your neurological assessment and vascular assessment maybe they had previous injuries loss of consciousness or surgeries or medical conditions because for instance, like medical conditions, if they have diabetes, that's kind of a red flag and you're not supposed to reduce. But um, like if you have a senior athlete, they're very likely to have a fracture. So again, you shouldn't reduce there. Or like we kind of talked about, Randy, with children, of they have those mm-hmm. growth plates. So be careful or don't reduce in these situations. So it really just depends on like what the joint is or where it is. Or if you have like a seizure patient, um, they're likely to have huge soft tissue and bony deformities or injuries with it. So you don't reduce in that scenario. But I think like the key thing too is don't do a document or sorry, don't do an onsite reduction without documentation. So even if you attempt an onsite reduction, you always have to document everything, whether it's your athlete, it's not your athlete. And we actually like have on our policy, like a documentation of attempted um, onsite reduction. So I think that would be beneficial to put in there of like, if you're going to do it, like which joint you tried, what technique you tried. And like, that could be something that you could either one, send with the coach or send with like the athletic trainer um, as well after you do it. Um, And then just the last thing that you want to do with the um, key elements is joint specific recommendations of what body Mm -hmm. you're going in or what body part that you're going to do. And then the specific joint of like the prevalence and of the dislocation and how you might reduce it or if you should reduce it. And like the management following that joint reduction, because an elbow might be different than a finger or a shoulder or a knee. I think that the way you splint it is going to be beneficial to have in your policy. And like maybe go over that with your physician of, if you have a finger that you dislocated, let's say you like comes into like mallet finger or something, you're going to slightly flex the finger when you splint it. So I think like that would be beneficial as well. That, yeah, that actually reminds me about how we were talking about vascular, like how you should also be checking vas- like neurological versus vascular mm-hmm. and how a lot of anything that included anything vascular yeah. shouldn't be reduced. Yeah. It's like a red flag of, no, don't do it because you could be causing more harm going and reducing yeah. it. And that needs like a vascular surgeon, not just like mm-hmm. your team physician. Yeah. <laughs> Unless your team physician's a vascular <laughs> surgeon, surgeon, but I Which would be surprised. I feel like that's not <laughs> most cases. It'd be very unique. Say. It'd be very yes. unique. Yes. Where did that you know? Where did that institution find that doctor <laughs> right. to be the team doctor? Right. That is a better question. And how much time do they have on their hands? Okay, so I after this, I left. So could you actually um, speak a little bit more about how you got your staff signed off on the joint reductions and what that looked like? Yeah. So at the end of our like policy statement um, or joint reduction techniques, we have a verification of compliance document, which basically goes into each joint where you check off the specific joint and then the reduction technique that the team physician taught. So there could be multiple. So there's maybe like three out of the five that she, or maybe she taught us five out of five, but three out of five, she'd be comfortable with us trying or reducing. Mm -hmm. So we kind of like write those techniques and describe it. And then the circumstances under which a reduction can be attempted. So is it like at the institution, is it following the NATA position statement? Or maybe she's comfortable with you reducing like a joint that may not even be your institution related. So maybe you're like, let's just say your baseball team is playing in a tournament, but it's not necessarily tied to your institution. Would she still be comfortable in that situation covering that Mm -hmm. joint reduction? Um, so I think like that is a really beneficial section to have and then just the training verification. So getting like your team physician to signature and date, having the name and credentials of the person's qualified to attempt the joint reduction or onsite reduction. So is that 
you, your colleagues, maybe your hourlies are involved. Is she is comfortable doing like students as well for that semester? But I think like getting that in writing is definitely beneficial. And then the lastly, the location of where it happened. So is it in your team physician's office or is it in your athletic training clinic? I think having like those three solidification in your policy will help. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. 100%. So for your team physicians specifically, and I'm, and this is just a generic question just to get discussion going, not necessarily like recommendations for other athletic trainers, yeah. but just um, what joints was your team physician receptive to your staff being able to reduce? Yeah, I think it also just depends on like each joint. So um, right. in certain scenarios, <laughs> she was comfortable with glenohumeral joint, uh, humoral mm-hmm. ulnaral joint, metacarpophalangeal joint, uh, toes, fingers, so interphalangeal joints, patellofemoral joint, um, mm-hmm. not in like minors or kids though, um, mm-hmm. and then proximal radial ulnar joint. Uh, she said on this one, she was like, I have seen it like twice, but it's very, very wow. easy to do. So, um, yeah. she was like, it's really easy. You should do it. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> metatarsal, nice. right, right. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, metatarsophalangeal joint. And then the one that she was kind of like iffy about, but cleared us on one versus the other was like subtalar joint. She was like, you can do it mm. if it's a clear subtalar, but if it's not, mm. don't even try to mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. So those are like the, if it's the right situation, go for it. But if you suspect any of like the contraindications, obviously don't go for it. Yeah. Right. Right. So you kind of hinted at that. Were there any other joints that may have been like, Hey, this is probably like need just let have it, done at the emergency department or have a physician kind of do these ones yeah um so this is one that she didn't even like touch or go over we actually like had to like ask her about it because she was like yeah no 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 circumstance (laughs) um femoral acetabular joint she was like no like one you would need so much force to get it back Mm -hmm. because it takes actually like a lot of force to get it out it's like usually like car accidents or like weird Mm -hmm. like football injuries um so she's Thanks like, couple. don't, yeah, don't try it. Don't try this at home, friends. Um, <laughs> so that was a no-go. Uh, tibia femoral joint, uh, just because of like all the structures around it, mm-hmm. very, very fatal, like very high likelihood of yeah. like neurovascular injuries. So she was like, don't like just splint it, call it. I've heard like Contra, I guess I've heard multiple topics on this one of like just put it back because you know it will get that vascular back or it will get that neurological back but then other ones are like don't even touch it it's way too high risk so she was very much on the um conservative end of it of like don't mm-hmm. don't work on it just splint it get it out of there um and then going back to the ankle like subtalar yes but the talocrural joint she was like don't don't do it basically unless you have like you are like positive that that is just subtalar do not touch the ankle just splint it mm-hmm. and it has mm-hmm. like a very high li- likelihood that you have a fracture with it so she's usually nine times out of ten that it has a fracture so she's like just splint it but and then even if the joints she was like yeah I'm comfortable with you reducing this she said basically, if you give it two shots and you're not getting it, you're done. Basically splint it, get it out of there. Um, mm-hmm. Like after that first attempt, you're basically like putting them in a lot of pain and spasm. So the second one, she's like, unless you're like positive that you can actually get it back, then just try and splint it and get it back. And then the only other mm-hmm. ones that she's like, don't reduce is a seizure patient or a child that basically has that like growth plate still going on or open. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was surprised that she was so okay with the um, elbow. Yeah. The humoral ulnar. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and she has actually had like a lot of them at X games and she was like, mm-hmm. they're very easy as long as your like patient is kind of calm. She like usually like turns her body and like doesn't face the patient, like almost like puts mm-hmm. her body in front of 
the patient and the injury to kind of like get them mm-hmm. to not see it. But she was, yeah, pretty receptive to having us do it. You just got to like pull a lot of traction on it basically to get it back. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you know, reading the position statement, I was very surprised how many joints they were like, eh, if the physician's cool with it and you know how to do it, go for it. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, coming from NATA, I was also surprised of like, oh, that's okay. Okay. <laughs> but, um, it was, it's very much just like a discussion with your team physician of mm-hmm. I'm comfortable with this or I'm not comfortable with this. Um, a lot of team physicians, especially after you've been working with them for a while are like, ah, try it. Like they're already in yeah. it's dislocated. So I'm like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> But I think like after having a workshop too, that's definitely beneficial to like actually get your hands on a patient. And I think after you try it the first time, you're going to be like, oh, okay, well, this was easy. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, even at NATA, uh, this most recent one, there were dentists that were like, yeah, you could put like dislodged teeth and put them back. (laughs) Like if they're pushed back, you just move the whole gums forward okay oh, yeah cool. <laughs> yeah you got it yeah and he was like yeah just clean it off and shove it back in there i was like what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah a lot of confidence in athletic trainers and they should yeah. i feel like and it's good. it is it's a good thing we yeah. are very qualified We're very good at what we do we tried to be you know what's <laughs> funny is i feel like i've had way more success with shoulders than i have I've, I don't think I've ever put back a finger. No, I'm not talking about thumb. I'm talking about actual, like, the four fingers. Yeah. I've never put back, successfully put back a finger. I've only had, like, one and a half. One was fractured, so one, I didn't. Did you say it. one and a half? Yeah, because the other one was fractured. So I, it was fractured and dislocated. <laughs> My team physician did it, and I was like, no thanks. <laughs> I had, like, a My team of- physician offered, and I was like, ah, that kid's screaming. No, I'm right. good. I'm okay. You know what? I'm going to let you have this one. Yeah. yeah. I had a basketball girl who like dislocated her pinky literally once a month. And she'd always be like, oh my oh, gosh. Ben, can you fix it? I'm like, you should get surgery. Like this is, this is too much. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like pinky and like hand, like fingers and toes. I've had like a really successful reduction. You've had toes. Yeah. It's like super weird. It was in soccer. <laughs> it, it was just like, I don't even know how to describe it. It looks like grandma toes where they're just like curled over, like it yes, like uh, yeah. flicks over like another toe. And you're just like, kind of uh-huh. like pull it, put it back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like toes, fingers, super easy. If obviously you don't have that fracture, but like shoulders, I think are so tricky. So like maybe I feel like it's everyone's strong suit of the shoulder versus toes, fingers. I don't know. <laughs> I know. I had yeah. I had one as a grad assistant. I couldn't get it back. A shoulder? Yeah. You haven't had any others? No, just uh Wow. Just wow. A shoulder. Well, okay. Well hold well, hold on. <laughs> you also hold never on. mind. I forgot. Hold on. You, I worked track worked and cross, track. guys. Come on. <laughs> okay. But like, <laughs> like well, well now you work like Well yeah, now I work team sports. I'm just saying, like this situation happened in track. Like Okay, but I had In the dumbest way, had, by the way. I had two shoulder dislocations in volleyball in the same season. That's at least they're, I could, I could see it kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's not football. Yeah. I've had way more in football. (laughs) I feel like that the high contact sports though, you're always expecting it. And then like something like golf comes in and you're like, how did this even happen? (laughs) Well, then they're not even ready for it. So it's like 10 times worse. Right. Right. Now they're panicking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Soccer. I had a first the base of the first metatarsal dislocated and i misdiagnosed it as a fracture i thought it was a fracture it's i mean i never saw the kid again but that's what i heard (laughs) was it like a a weekend event it was not it was one of my regular athletes but it was the end of season it was like literally the last oh yeah that does it i feel like also when you see a deformity you're kind of thrown off. You're like, what's happening here? That I didn't see a deformity. It was literally, um, it looked fine. And he was like in so much pain that he wouldn't let me touch him. Yeah. I was, I was just palpating the, the metatarsal. And every time when I got to the same spot, mm-hmm. he was, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, it's probably fractured right here. Yeah. Positive tuning fork. Yep. And then I heard like three days later, 
Mm. Best to send them. <laughs> yep. Hey. Yeah. Nothing wrong yep. with that. Yep. Yeah. All right. Action item. Time Do for it. action. Time for action. <laughs> Especially when we're talking about reduction. We need action quick. <laughs> All right, Nicolette, what advice would you give someone who is interested in creating a joint reduction policy in their setting? I think, number one, talk to your physician and just get their, like, experience or advice on the matter of, like, hey, I, like, heard this podcast and I want to kind of make this policy. And, like, would you be comfortable with this or would you be willing to, like, help me with certain aspects? Um, And if they're not comfortable with you reducing, I think it's still – like best case scenario, you still write the policy and still like have it and you might not have signatures for reducing, but like this is something that I think will help you or be comfortable or at least know like, well, this is how I would have reduced it or like let's have a workshop and maybe eventually you can get there with your team position. Mm -hmm. So I think just like building that relationship and having that conversation is like number one. But also utilize your seminars like at NATA, at CATA, or your like state conventions. Like they have all these joint reductions. And I like that's how I first learned about it is I like, heard this presentation and then it was like, you know what? They hit every point. This is easy. I'm just basically gonna build my own policy at this point. So I think like utilize the information that they give you both at the national level, state level, and maybe even like your conference level, they might have something there. Um, Mm -hmm. position statement that's key definitely go back to that Mm. Um, they go through each joint and they're like do this don't do this but like your team positions could have like a different stance on it too Mm -hmm. so if you like reference it and say like this research shows me this but your team position says okay but like I've had 92 of these I know how to do (laughs) it so I think like going back and forth with that would be good but then I think lastly is just like knowing yourself and seeing if you're confident in doing some kind of joint reduction or even writing this policy. Like maybe this isn't something you're comfortable with doing. That's fine. I think like maybe you write the policy and then you're like, no, actually I don't want to do this. Or maybe you try reducing. You're like, no, this isn't for me. Let me splint it. I think just like be comfortable with yourself and be confident and ask other athletic trainers. I think that's one thing that athletic training as a profession does perfectly is we're just like oh yeah here have my materials oh this is how I do it share this story or you know help our team physician with this I think just like ask your physician ask your athletic trainers for advice um and we're like always willing to help 100 percent all all athletic training is is basically your or at least athletic training policies and procedures are just stolen from one university (laughs) to the next (laughs) Like there, it's almost everyone is standardized because everyone has just stolen it from a couple places. Yeah, that's. I feel like every policy they're like, "Oh, I saw this at some place." They're like, "Yeah, that's where I got it." Yeah, yeah that, that's where I got it too. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, can we have a copy or or a like condensed down or whatever you want to give us yeah. of your joint reduction policy? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'll share it with you. It's it's a. Uh, Pretty lengthy, but yeah, totally. You can have it. <laughs> okay, we'll put that up in our Facebook group in the files. Yeah. So we'll talk about that Facebook group at the end. Um, but yeah, I think that would be really helpful that'd, to that'd have. Be awesome. Um, and that also has the the sign offs. Yeah. Right. So it has like the like start of it is basically just like information with like all the things I went over with like definitions and like certain information of like KD standard. But then, like, goes into, like, specific joints after that. And then at the end, it has, like, two examples of how you could get sign-off. So if you wanted to, like, Mm. do it all just, like, on one sheet and just have, like, one signature sign-off, it has, like, you just check all the joints. But if Mm -hmm. you had, like, joint by joint of, like, they're good with this joint but not this joint, you, like, check a specific joint, do the reduction, and then get a sign-off on that. And then you can, like, even, like, check the certain joints and get a sign-off on, like, not reducing this joint. So there's, like, two different Mm -hmm. ways that you could do it nice okay nice that's really helpful yeah big time thanks Nicolette. yeah you're welcome thanks for having me so it's funny how like as you go through your practice like things just kind of, like certain topics just kind of become your thing and mm-hmm. i feel like that's happened to Nicolette. joint dislocations and reductions is kind of Nicolette's deal now i feel like you're making it her thing i'm gonna try and make <laughs> i'm gonna try and get put that out there make it make her the go-to 
Um, well, I hope that this episode really jumpstarted you guys to, to look into your joint reduction policy because mm-hmm. it is something that we do come across as athletic trainers a lot. And it's something you really don't think about that, like, it's, like I said, like, for a lot of us, it was such an informal way of learning how to do it that it just mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, yeah, we kind of do it and everyone kind of does their own thing. And I don't know, it's it's nice to have something, hey, we do have to kind of nail this down and like, hey, here, have it outlined. Here's the ones we're doing. Here's the ones we're not doing. And here's how we do the ones we do. Right. I feel like the first time I kind of, I saw my preceptor do a shoulder and then I like kind of learned and then ever since I got my first shoulder in, I was like, all right, this is how I'm doing it. This, this is it. But it was nice to actually get some formal education on it, like you were saying. And it, and it's nice to have a tool bo- a toolkit as well, right? Like we always talk about in athletic training, right? Your toolbox. You always want to add more tools to it. So maybe you learn a technique that, hey, maybe that's not the one you're going to do all the time. But every now and then you might have to do that one. Well, exactly. Because like, for example, my shoulder technique has worked every single time that I've needed it to, but I haven't come. Well, one time I came into, um, a position where it worked, but then it came out again. Yeah. So in that situation, it's like, okay, well, what if I wasn't able to get it back in or then what is my backup? Do I have a second technique or am I allowed to do that per my physician? It's nice to have those things lined up before you, you approach them. Oh, hundred percent. Because otherwise it makes it easier to navigate that gray area. Right. The less we can deal with gray area. The better. Yeah. For real. So if you guys are interested in Nicolette's policy, that will be in our Facebook group. Like we said before, facebook.com slash group slash Corner podcast. There's only one question to get in. You do have to answer the question because I'm not on Facebook that often. Um, it will automatically approve you if you answer where you heard about our podcast. And then if you guys are new, we do every other episode as education or stories. This one was an education episode. Next week, we're going back to our stories. Actually, next week, we are taking off because of the holiday. So um, I don't know how long we're taking off. I don't know if we're just doing one week or two weeks, but you will hear from us um, soon enough in the new year. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. So if we don't, if you guys don't hear from us, then happy new year. We'll, uh, We'll see you in 2023. Sweet. Do you got anything else to add? Nope, that was perfect. Thank you for helping us showcase athletic training behind the tape. Bye.